0: Alright, Sunday Easter morning, Resurrection morning, and we want to start off by saying that we sure do miss getting together. I think we can probably even say that about Bill, he might be on the edge, but yes Bill we even miss you. It's, It's not the same going so many weeks without seeing everybody, but we're here for Easter Sunday and we want to start out by... Talking about what we have done in the weeks leading up to Resurrection Sunday, we were studying what happened at the cross when Jesus died. Because the Bible gives us a lot of theological information about what took place on our behalf on the cross. So before we can understand the significance of the resurrection, we need to understand what happened at the cross. That's what we've been doing. And in a 20-second review, it was the payment for sin. What Jesus did at the cross, it fulfilled what the Bible said had to be done. God had laid out in the Old Testament that the only way to make a payment for sin was through bloodshed. Leviticus 17:11 that without the shedding of blood there is no remission, there's no cleansing for sin. That's why Jesus died the way that he did. It was a terrible death. Another reason he died that way is because the Bible had predicted it. You can read Psalm 22. We all know Psalm 23 well, but in the 22nd Psalm it talks about his hands and feet being pierced. The way that he his bones were out of joint, it was it's a it's a terrible picture, but the Bible prophesied, it predicted these things. That's why Jesus died the way that he did. But now we come to the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so important? In Christianity, everybody understands it has a special significance. But do we really, do we have in the front of our minds why it's that important? Well, one reason, Jesus made some dramatic claims while he was alive on the earth. If you talk to most people, and sometimes it goes around in Christian circles, that Jesus never really claimed to be the Son of God. You can only think that if you're listening with a 21st century American ear. If you listen to it with a Jewish ear of the time when he was alive, he said it all the time. In fact, even at his trial. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to start there. Matthew 26 and verse 62. This is at Jesus' trial. They're deciding whether or not he's going to live or die. And of course, the trial is rigged. But look at their language, the language of his enemies. Verse 62, the high priest arose And said unto him, Answerest thou nothing, what is it which these witness against thee? They had brought in witnesses to try to lie and convince people that Jesus was guilty of something. In verse 63, Jesus held his peace. And then the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. What's the high priest asking him? He's trying to burrow down. He's right out in front asking him, Are you the Son of God? Now this is a trial. The answer to this question is going to determine whether or not they kill him or set him free. Jesus' response? Verse 64, He saith unto them, Thou hast said so. Now that's his way of saying, You said it, brother. I don't have to say it. You said it. And now look at their response. If you want to know whether or not Jesus claimed to be the Son of God or not, look at what they do in verse 65. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What's blasphemy mean? Making yourself out to be God. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. The people that put him on trial clearly thought he was claiming what? To be the Son of God. Clearly. And of course, that's what Jesus was saying. So they condemn him to die for this reason. Now remember, these are his enemies. And we're going to come back to these enemies when they put him in a grave. But let's look at some of his other enemies, the Roman soldiers who put him on the cross. Chapter 27, look at verse 50. Matthew chapter 27, and look at verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. That's old English language for that's when he died. And when he had, and excuse me, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two, from the top to the bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks rent. Now there's some physical things taking place here. The temple had this enormous curtain. And this tells us that as soon as he died, that sucker tore in two from the top to the bottom. And that signifies now there's access. You can get in there. The temple was where God's presence was. And no no one was allowed in there except one high priest and once a year. When this thing tears open and God does it, God is sending the message, you can come see me. Keep in mind what just happened. His son just paid the penalty for sin. And it tells us, the curtain tears in two. There's a great physical earthquake. The earth is shaking. And the rocks rent. Now look at verse 52. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Stephen King can't write stuff like this. The graves opened. And the next verse tells us that after he was resurrected, the bodies of many of these saints came up out of the graves. They went into Jerusalem and appeared to many. And remember, this is not happening in a random time and place. This is all tied to what event? Jesus... Dying on the cross, paying the penalty for sin. You have the physical part of the earth shaking, literally shaking, the rocks coming apart. You have the spiritual part of dead people coming back from the dead. They went into the city. It wasn't just one or two people making up a story. They were the only witnesses. No, the whole city witnessed these people leaving the grave Coming into town. Look at the next verse. Verse 54. Now when the centurion, that's a Roman soldier. He's in charge of the other Roman soldiers of putting Jesus to death. When the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw. When they saw the earthquake and those things that were done, what happened? they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God his enemies those Roman soldiers when they saw what took place with him on the cross where there was six hours of darkness while he was hanging there where he's asking God forgive them they don't know what they're doing when the temple curtain tears in two there's a great earthquake the graves open up when they saw all those miracles, what did even some of his enemies conclude? Oh my goodness, we, we just killed the Son of God. You see, that's what the entire New Testament is about. Whether or not Jesus, the, supposed, the, the son of Mary and the supposed son of Joseph, was he really what he said he was? Because see, people, if he was... Well, now it's, we will listen to his teachings, the things that he commands, a lot different. All of this is determined. His trial, being put to death, whether or not he's the Son of God. But we got one more event. When he goes in that grave, and if he stays there, what's the proof that he really is the Son of God? See, all of us, if the Lord tarries and he doesn't come back, We're all going the same way. Everybody dies, they go in the grave, and they stay there. The proof that you are something different comes at the grave. And this is why, look at what Jesus' enemies do in verse 62. After he is buried, Matthew 27, verse 62, Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together to Pilate. These are the Jewish leaders, that had the fake trial that condemned him to death, and the Roman ruler Pontius Pilate. And here's what it said, verse 63. They said, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Now wait a minute. Time out. His enemies even remember what? That he made a promise. That if you kill me, I'll be back in three days. Now think with me. Where are his disciples at this moment in time? They're huddled in an upper room, and they're scared. They think, well, my goodness, we might be next. And when the women see Jesus on resurrection morning, and they go to tell the disciples, hey, he's risen from the dead, what was their response? The disciples' response was, they thought the women were telling idle tales, and they believed them not. This is his best friends. But you see, Jesus had told them. I'll be back in three days. Now, you want to prove to somebody that you're a little bit special, a little different than all of humanity, promise something after you're dead. Something like, I'll come back. Because nobody can fake that. Nobody can duplicate that. And it's not on the disciples' minds, but whose mind is it on? His enemies, the Jewish leaders and Pilate, they're thinking, now listen, this guy said... He'd be back after three days. So what's their thinking? They put guards at the tomb. Anybody ever heard of putting guards in a cemetery to make sure nobody gets out? It doesn't happen. Ever. They end up being the witnesses, the proof, that he really did come out of there because they set their guards Over that stone. They put their seal on that stone so that when the angel comes to roll away that stone resurrection morning, they don't have to take Peter, James, and John's word for it, do they? Their people are there. All of this stuff, this is just the evidence, the miracles that happened at the end of Jesus' life to prove that he was the Son of God. What about when he was alive? Well, he walked on water, he raised people from the dead arms limbs that were missing they grew out when he touched them. he cast out devils, demons. he was one miracle after another, all pointed to what conclusion that he is the Son of God. But see this last event, this last this last miracle, the resurrection, it is by far the most important because this is what is going to prove that he has power on the other side of life the afterlife the grave if, if he can come back from that then what arguments do his enemies have nothing they can continue to make up lies but it's nothing this centurion when he sees these things happen he's absolutely convinced truly this was the son of God Now let's keep reading in chapter 28, Matthew 28. This is the resurrection. Verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said." I really do want to put some emphasis on the fact that he had told them ahead of time he'd be back in three days. See what Jesus, what God has done to prove to us that the Son of God was sent to us to earth to pay the penalty for sin for mankind. And if you believe on it, if you accept it, you have access to the Father, you're saved. God sent his Son to do that and to prove that he was the Son of God. He did all these miracles while he was alive. But while he was alive, he made this promise that when I die, when they put me in that tomb, I'll be just like Jonah. He was three days, three nights in the heart, in the belly of the whale. He said, I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's what Jesus said. His enemies even recalled it. They went to Pilate and said, now listen, this guy told us he'd be back. And now this angel, when the women are there at the tomb and the tomb is empty, the angel says, he is risen, comma, as he said, he promised. And guess how many promises Jesus keeps? All of them. God the Father that wrote this book, there's nothing in it that he ever, ever misrepresents. He doesn't lie about it. He doesn't have to shave some truth off the edges just to make it fit. He came back, and he didn't come back in the second, the fourth day, any other day. The day that he promised. He came back from the grave, which proves he has power even on the other side of the tomb. See, that's all of humanity's problem. We all have to go that way. We're all going to go to the grave if Jesus tarries. If he doesn't come back by then. And everybody wonders, what's on the other side of that? Well, for proof, Jesus went to the other side. Then he came back. and The Bible tells us for 40 days he was here on the earth with his disciples, seen of hundreds of people. And he made a lot of promises then. He made the promise that he would come back to this earth a second time. And that is the part, really, that, um, the message that needs to be preached long and loud in our culture today. All this proof of who he was... And he has that other promise to keep. He's coming back. And the Bible tells us when he comes back, it's going to be different than the first time that he came. The first time, he did not run from those Roman soldiers when they wanted to put him on a cross. Why is that? Because he needed, if he was going to fulfill his, his chosen duty, he needed to go to the cross. That's where the payment for sin was to be made. But now that he's done that and he's resurrected, nobody will lay hold of him ever again and force him into anything. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. And when he comes back, the book of Revelation tells us he's riding a white warhorse, and his weapons are drawn. What that is meant to convey to humanity is we have this time now to make our choices about who he is. Even those Roman soldiers that put him to death concluded after the resurrection and the graves were opened, oh my goodness, truly this was the Son of God. And every human being since then has had that opportunity to decide, is he or is he not the Son of God? The answer to that question determines where a person will spend all of their time, all of eternity, on the other side of Of the grave. Jesus came back to prove that the grave has now no power. And a good portion of the New Testament, it goes on to teach us this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if Christ is not risen, then that means there is no such thing as a general resurrection, meaning nobody else is getting resurrected. He said, but if he is resurrected, And, of course, he knows the answer. He's just arguing from a theoretical point of view. If he is resurrected, then that means he's the first fruits. And in Jewish language, that means the first of many. Because he was resurrected, guess who else gets that? All of mankind that believes and trusts in him. The promise is, we will be resurrected also. That's why the resurrection is so important. Paul said, if he's not resurrected, we are of most men, all miserable. Of everybody on earth, that all these crazy belief systems were the worst if he didn't really resurrect. But see, we know that he did. And because of that now, the door has been thrown wide open to get to God. It's through Jesus. He proved he was the Son of God. And the resurrection proves he has power over that side, on the other side. What we do here on this earth, it really does go by quick. You don't believe that. You don't think that way when you're 14 and 18 and 20. You think it's going to last forever. I'll be like this. I'll feel like this. I'll look like this forever. It doesn't take long. You get about early in your 40s and you start realizing what Grandpa said. That, that stuff's right. You start getting aches and pains. You realize this thing starts to deteriorate. By the time you realize, man, I don't have much time left, sometimes, too often, there's not enough time to make up for things you wanted to do. Every human being can read this at any point in their life and understand Jesus is the Son of God. He has power over death, hell, and the grave. That means that forever, forever, we can live in a glorified body with him, forever. The resurrection, it is the most important event. It's the proof of everything Jesus ever said, ever taught. It proves that he wasn't just a man. Yes, he was a man. God became man in flesh through Mary. But that's not all. He was fully God in that man, so that when he laid aside that man flesh body, He picked up something else, an eternity, a resurrected body. That's the reason why some of his disciples didn't recognize him. Remember the road to Emmaus? Didn't know who he was for sure. After he was resurrected, there were so many times that his friends, they didn't know for sure until maybe he broke bread or he showed them the holes in his hands, and they realized, my my goodness, that's him. One reason is your resurrected body, It's going to be a little bit different, at least. Maybe a lot different. The resurrection. Resurrection Sunday. Maybe our our most important thing that we celebrate on this earth. Always remember what it signifies. Proof. Proof that what's contained in your Bible about Jesus, about God, 100% accurate. Thank you. We'll see you all. Maybe next week. Let's pray as we leave. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that every person watching this, that you would minister peace and health to them and confidence to them on this Sunday morning of Easter. We pray, Lord, that you would guard and protect them, keep them from all disease, keep them healthy and whole. We pray that you would watch over and protect them and let each one of them live under an open heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.